Well, good morning, everyone, and to all of you who had the privilege to serve are presently serving. God bless you. Hey, you know, we live in the richest country in the world. Our people live at a, a standard that no people in the history of the world have ever known. We are a blessed people, yet among us are some of the most impoverished people on the earth. Because the most impoverished and bankrupt person you know is a person who's lost their joy in living. You know, we, we sent a bunch of missionaries to a country called Haiti from our church when I was in Missouri. And, and as, as the missionaries come back from Haiti, they said, the people there were impoverished. They were so poor that they had nothing. So they thought they would take them rabbits. And they would take them rabbits and they could raise these rabbits to have food. But being Americans and thinking the way we do, we never dreamed to take a cage. They were too impoverished to have a cage. So they had nothing to put their rabbits in. So they tried to make makeshift cages, none of which were good enough to keep the dogs from killing all of the rabbits. But you know what they came back and said? The funny thing about these poor people, they were so happy. They were so joyful. They just sang and they celebrated and the kids played whatever piece of trash they could find. They made a toy out of it and life was good for them in Haiti. They may not have had wealth, but they were rich. We may have wealth, but many of us are impoverished because we've lost the joy of living. We've lost the joy and the excitement of being alive. And we've lost the joy of our salvation. As Christian people, we seem to have lost the joy to stand up and just celebrate. Hallelujah, praise God, I'm saved. Hey, you know, we as Christian people have a calling on our lives. We have a purpose for our existence. And we have been called to experience great joy. Regardless of our circumstances. Jesus talked a great deal about joy in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 15, Jesus would talk to us about joy. In John chapter 15, in verse 9, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. Now I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you, for greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends, and you are my friends if you do what I command. Listen to what Jesus says. My joy, I leave with you, right? And I've told you these things so that your joy may be complete. I think some of us have missed the whole point. I think most of us, our joy isn't complete. I don't think most of us are joyful, but yet we're called to be joyful. We're called to experience the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the gift of the Holy Spirit brings with it many great things. Love and joy 
and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and all these things we read of in Galatians 5, 23. But hey, the joy, where's the joy in life? Where is the joy in our salvation? Where is the joy among us as Christians that draws people to us? You know, I read a little quote one time that a smile is the shortest distance between two people. Hey, how many of you enjoy walking up to someone who's looking at you like this? How many of you would enjoy it if I preached the whole sermon like this? How many of you enjoy seeing people and being around people who are angry all the time and never satisfied? How many of you enjoy walking up to people who look like this? Pray for my wife. She has to live with that all the time. <laughs> hey, everybody, a smile is the shortest distance between two people. Jesus understood this. You understand? Jesus wanted us to know joy. He wanted the world to know joy. He was the good news of great joy that had come to the earth that we celebrate, right? And what was it that Jesus said we must do to make our joy complete? Two things. Hey, if your life is not joyful, you need to do two things. Love God and love some people. I guarantee you, you can't be sad when you're loving on people. Hey, we're getting ready to send some people on some mission trips here in a couple weeks. By golly, we're going to send five up to Virginia, and we're going to send uh, uh, Vermont, and we're going to send another 20 over to Belize, and they think they're going there to help those people. Wrong. They think they're going to go there and they're going to help those people. Wrong. Those people are going to help them. You see, when you go love on people, you're one person loving on 10 people and them 10 people are loving you back. So who's on the winning end of that deal? You see, when you go loving on people, joy comes into your life because that's your purpose and your reason for existence. That's why we're here. You're not dead yet because you're supposed to still be loving on people. You see, if we obey God's word, if we directly apply God's word to our life, and we love people, we will experience great joy. You know, the secret to success is not such a secret. It's not such a mystery, and it's not so complicated. And you see, Jesus understood that. And he says, hey, if you'll just do these things, joy will become a very real part of your house. Uh, Everybody, what was it about Jesus that just drew people? Right? What was it about him that made him so powerful? He loved God and he loved them. When they met up with him, they said, this guy loves God. And when they met up with him, they said, and this guy loves me. And therefore, they just swarmed after him. You see, a true joy that comes from our heart draws people. It draws people like a magnet. In Matthew chapter 13, we read about Jesus' life. In, in chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, it, the Bible says, That same day, Jesus went out of the house, and he sat by the lake. And such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat, and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. What was it about Jesus that drew so many people? What was it that Jesus had 
that those people wanted. He loved God and he loved them. He understood his purpose. He understood who he was. One of Jesus' favorite statements was, I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the door, right? He, I am the gate. He said all these things, I am, because he understood who he was. So many of us don't understand who we are. You're God's children. You're sons of the king. You're called to experience great joy and peace and patience and kindness. Who are you? A royal priesthood. A people like no people on the earth who have a hope in a God that cannot lie. You see, when we smile from the inside, when our love and our joy, when our enthusiasm and our excitement comes from the inside, it isn't fake. People know. How many of you can honestly tell when someone's faking it? Or how many of you can tell when someone's really happy to see you? You can tell, we can all tell. And that genuine nature that comes from inside of us is powerful. And it's the message that God wants us to send out. You know, some of you may believe that if you had success, and if you had power, and you had influence like others, you would be just as happy and enthusiastic as they are, right? Some of you believe that. I remember I used to believe that if I just lived in a certain place, if I just did a certain thing, if I just had so much money, I'd be happy. You see, some of us believe that. We believe it. If we had the success that some other people have, we'd be happy. But I want to ask you this question. Are these people successful and happy because of their success? Are they successful because they're happy? No, you just think that through. Some of you may believe that if you had the success and power of everybody else, you'd be just as happy. But are they enthusiastic and are they joyful because they're successful? No, that's not true. They'd be joyful and excited and happy if they weren't successful. And they are successful because they're joyful and they're happy. And people like to be around them. How many of you want to go back to a store where when you walk in, the owner's grumpy, tells you he, doesn't, he isn't happy to see you, and he hopes he doesn't have what you want? No, we don't enjoy that. We wouldn't come back to that. That store won't be successful. Okay? If we want to be successful in our lives, we've got to be positive. People have got to come away from us enjoying the experience. People have got to see in us and experience from us the joy and the gift of the Holy Spirit so that they'll want some of that themselves. You see, a genuine smile that comes from the hope we have in Christ Jesus is a powerful weapon in this thing we call life. Now, in the book of Nehemiah, in chapter 8, verse 10, the Bible reads, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
How many of you feel like you're a little defeated in the world and you don't quite have the power in this world that you'd like to have and things just aren't going the way you'd like to handle them and they just aren't turning around the way you think they should? Well, how many of you realize that without joy, you're powerless to change anything? Without joy, you're powerless as a Christian to live the Christian life. Because what is the strength of our witness what is the strength where's our power what is our spiritual stronghold that empowers us to be successful as christians the bible says what do not grieve for the joy of the lord is your strength what is it that's going to carry you through the hard times until you see the light on the end of the tunnel joy hope right these these things are real these things are intangibles these things are things that will empower us to live a better life. And when we look at this text and we start to realize, hey, that joy is the power behind Christianity and that Jesus wanted his joy to be in us and our joy to be in com complete so that we would be powerful and effective in whatever we put our hand to do. Hey, let me tell you, parenting is much more effective if you're joyful about it. Right? Hey, I never heard a kid say, I hate it. My mom and dad are happy all the time. My household's a wreck. My parents are always laughing and carry it on. No, every brokenhearted child I know wishes there was a little more joy in their world. And the absence of that joy is stifling them. And the parents are powerless to do anything about it because... They've chosen to sacrifice joy. Hey, a joyful life is something we're called to give, uh, uh, to live. And a joyful life comes from believing with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind that God is real and he isn't lying. Now that seems funny to just say that, doesn't it? Sounds funny to hear me say that. But we got to believe that God's real and he isn't lying. And he said all things work together for the good of those called according to his purpose. Did he not in Romans 8, 28? Didn't God say that? If God is real and he doesn't lie, then we have a reason for joy no matter what our circumstances because we know it's going to be okay. You know, I once preached a sermon that really affected a guy, and I said to him, what in the world was it? He says, you made a statement in that sermon. I can't get it out of my head. You said, no matter what your circumstances, you've got to remember, it's going to be okay. Don't panic, it's going to be okay. Hey everybody, we have a reason for joy, and so how do we do it? That's a good question, isn't it? All right, MR, that's a good idea, I bought into it. Pastor, I'm with you. How do we do it? How do we remain enthusiastic, hopeful, smiling in a life with real disappointments in it? Hey, the world has real disappointments in it, doesn't it? How do we do it? Exactly. We make a choice, make a choice to rejoice. Make a choice to rejoice. When things are terrible and horrible, praise the Lord, the devil still finds you worthy of a good fight. Yeah, some of this mission team, right? Some of these in this church right here stood one day looking at me thinking I'd lost my mind. It was 3 a.m. in the morning. 
The end was tore off of our church building in Missouri and the Builders for Christ were there. And it was raining like it does in Missouri. I mean, it was pouring and thunder and lightning pouring down. It was flowing into the building. We had brooms and squeegees and we're trying to sweep it out, but it's coming in 10 times faster than we can sweep it out. It's flooding the whole building. And I look up at the sky and I says, give me a break. Is this the best you got? No hail, no tornado, nothing, just a flood. <laughs> and he said, have you lost your mind? I said, well, it is three in the morning. I'm sweeping water out of the bed. You know what God did? You know what God did? He allowed the church building to flood. It went up the hallway. It flooded the classrooms. It flooded the whole blooming building. And the next day, those tiles we were battling to get up fell off. The devil thought he flooded our building. He just loosened our tiles and did us a favor. Hey, everybody. God is good. All the time. And all things are working together for the good. If you just dare to believe God and take him at his word. We should have joy and we should believe it. And we have to make a choice to rejoice. For happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Psalm 144, 15. Hey, is that true? Happy are the people of God is that true? Oh, I hope it's true. I hope laughter is what you hear in this building. For happy are the people whose Lord is God. Right? Happy are we. Why? Because we have a reason to celebrate. Because we're not alone. One of the greatest promises there is, we're not alone. We're not in this thing alone. We're going to win this thing. We're going to win this thing regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our mistakes, regardless of our inept ability. We're going to win because God's going to win it for us in spite of us if we just maintain hope. Hey, how do we do it? Okay, I pondered and prayed a long time. I wrote a lot of notes on this piece of paper. I thought about it in my own personal life. I dealt with it deep. What's robbing you of your joy? So I asked myself, Mr. what's robbing you of your joy? Perfectionism. I am a perfectionist. You ever look at one of my bows, one of my guitars I built? You'll see. I'm painstakingly redo everything that doesn't look perfect. And then when I get done, it's never good enough because as I know, you might not see it, but I see it. There's something in that thing that's not perfect. That wood just isn't perfect. This didn't fit together just perfect. No one else can see it but me, but I can see it. And I'm my own worst critic, you see. I'm a perfectionist. I like things to be perfect. I notice what isn't right. When I look at something, I don't say, hey, look how great that is. I say, oh, that's great, but look at that. Look at that. That one trim piece. Mm-mm-mm-mm. They should have puttied that in a little nail head sticking out right over there in that corner. You don't know it, but I know it. There's a nail head on that trim right back there in that corner right back there. <laughs> I've done seen it, looked at it, thought to myself, mm-hmm, didn't, I didn't do that. <laughs> that drives me crazy. 
It robs me of my joy. What's the problem with perfectionism? What's the problem with that? There isn't any such, nothing's perfect. Nothing in this world is perfect, right? And it will rob you of your joy of satisfaction. There's no such thing as a satisfied perfectionist. Perfectionist never satisfied. Have you ever met somebody that's never satisfied? They go to the buffet, and I don't care how full they are, they're going to try one more thing until they can find one thing that isn't good. <laughs> I tell you what, in Missouri, they ain't so hard, but down here, your food's good, right? They take a while, right? They're going to find something to complain about no matter what. They're going to say, yeah, that was all good, but... They're perfectionists, you see. And it robs you of your joy because there's, you cannot have the joy of being satisfied. Nothing's ever good enough, right? So it robs you of your satisfaction. It will also stop you from celebrating your own accomplishments and the accomplishments of others, right? How many of you have a hard time celebrating your own accomplishments? How many of you ever think you did it good enough, well enough. Boy, I mean to tell you, I've met enough parents who've beat themselves up. They sacrificed and went out for their kids all out, but they didn't do enough, right? Never good enough. What is good enough? That's an honest question to ask people. What's good enough? How good is good enough? Isn't it funny how we change? Your child takes and he paints you a little drawing at school. It's terrible. Kids draw poorly. But you don't care. Where do you put that? On your refrigerator. And you show it to people. Right? Now we got a thing called Facebook. You can post your bad art. <laughs> but as soon as our children grow up, now we suddenly change the rules on them. Doing your best, give it a try, that's not good enough. Yeah, this you did all right here, but you didn't get straight A's. What happened here? You, you got an A minus. What's that? Perfectionism. You see, it robs us of our joy because we can't celebrate our accomplishments or the accomplishments of others. Well, you sure did accomplish a lot of things, but this you didn't do so well. Right? Isn't that how we work? Hey, you know what else it'll do to you? It'll rob you of your ability to try new things. Hey, what's stopping you from trying new things? What stops you? Fear of what? Making a mistake. Fear of failure. You might make a mistake. Well, if you do, then you're human. How many of you won't try something new because you're afraid you might make a mistake. How many people here are born, talented, and able to do everything the first time? Nobody. But yet perfectionism, this unrealistic ideal we get in our head, tells us we got to be good at everything. Trust me, you're not good at everything. But still, some things you aren't good at are fun. And for those of you who want to know, yes, my wife did thump me like a tambourine and rock and roll band at the golf match again, even with the best golf clubs. <laughs> you know, golf salesmen, they're smart. 
You walk into the golf shop and you say, my wife's beating me fierce. Hey, you need new clubs. <laughs> I got new clubs. She's still beating me. I go back. He says, you need lessons. <laughs> but you know, it was fun. I'm not very good. We have to stop and say, let the real golfers go by. <laughs> but it's fun. And when I was younger, I would have never done it again. When I was younger, had I been bad at it, I would have never done it again. But now, I can laugh at myself because I've learned something. Perfectionism is not my friend. It's my enemy. And it's stopping me from trying all kinds of fun things. Hey, friends, give it a try. Give life a try. You might just discover that it's more fun than you think. Hey, you know, perfectionism is not a calling. Nor is it a spiritual gift. Nor is it even remotely spiritual. But yet we as Christians are all the time frustrated. And I've had people tell me, I'm not going to that church. I'm not going to this church. I say, well, you know what? If you ever find the perfect church, don't join it. Because it won't be perfect when you get there. Right? Hey, the church is never perfect. But it's trying. Hey, this church will never be perfect, but we can try. God didn't call on us to be perfect. He called on us to be willing to try. And to get up after we make a mistake and say, well, by golly, let's not try it that way again. That's all. Right? If church is made up of people. Is your pastor perfect? No. Hey, what are you going to say to me when I really flub up? You're going to say, somebody, some people are going to say, they're going to be perfectionists, say, I, I, look at there, the pastor, what he did. And the rest of the people are going to say, yeah, but at least he was trying. As long as I'm trying, that's all I can do, right? That's all any of us can do. And we got to get rid of this perfectionism idea, and we got to break free from this idea that it's some kind of a spiritual gift or a reality because it's robbing us of our very life. It's robbing us of our very lives, right? Hey, we have been called to do our best and let God take care of all the rest. Just do your best and let God take care of the rest. How about that? Hey, we can't live perfectly, but we can, through Christ, live a life of excellence. And that's the truth right? Hey, you know, there are some things this world that are true in John chapter 15, verse 5, one of my favorite verses I quote all the time, because it is true. I'm the vine and you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit, according to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, is what? You will bear much love, much joy, much peace, much patience. And what is that kind of life going to be like? Isn't that worth a try? Hey, everybody, we've been called to be fruitful. We've been called to bear fruit. God desperately needs you to show the world how to live a life of joy and peace and patience and kindness. And the way to do it is love God 
and love one another. And don't allow this enemy called perfectionist to rob from you your joy in your life. Hey, everybody, remember, God wants us to be like teapots. Now, that's a funny statement, isn't it? God wants you to be like a teapot. Because, you know, teapot, he sings the loudest when he's up to his neck in hot water. <laughs> hey, when do you need to praise? When it's hardest. When does the world need to see you praising, full of joy and hope? When it's hardest, when it's the hottest, when it's nasty as it's ever been. They need to see somebody stand up in this crazy world today and say, it's going to be okay. God's not dead, and it's going to be okay. I don't care what your world is spinning like right in this moment. God's bigger than your problem, and he promised it's going to be okay. Our crazy world and all the stuff that's happening, it's crazy. But it's not bigger than God, and he's going to turn this thing around. It's going to be okay. You know, God needs us to be praising him the most when it's the hardest. Hey, everybody, if I could line all of those up here in front of the church who are more experienced than I am, that means older. <laughs> and I'd line them up, and I would say, life is short. They'd all say. Now the youth and the children say, no, it isn't. You haven't gone to school with me. Life is really moving slow. But the rest of us know life is short. It's slipping away quickly. There's only so much and you, the day gone is gone and you can't get it back. And every 60 seconds you choose to live angry is one minute of joy you just gave away. Now think that through. That's a bad trade. Every 60 seconds you choose to live angry. 60 seconds of joy you just gave away. Right? Hey, happiness is not something that can be found because it's never really lost. You see, it's never really lost. It's only been replaced by a choice to look no further than our present circumstances. So I want to challenge you today to turn your eyes upon Jesus. Smile. It's going to increase your face value. I guarantee you. And it's going to change your world. Because someone's going to smile back. And that's going to change your world. And when you smile at 100 people, and 100 people smile back, you're going to be one giver who's receiving 100 gifts. And that, my friend, is a source of great joy. You see, the greatest joy there is, is in loving one another, in loving Jesus. If you're here today, in our midst, this moment, and I ask you an honest, honest question. Is Jesus Christ Lord of your life? Or is the devil Lord in your life? Oh, by golly, people are going to say, I dare you ask me that question. Jesus is Lord of my life. Good. I'm going to know that by the fact of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in you. Joy is going to be your life. And if your life is pessimism 
and anger, Satan is your master. And you're bowing down to him when you choose to sacrifice your joy and choose a worldly point of view. Hey, everyone, if Jesus Christ is the Lord of our life, joy will be the fruit of the Spirit in us. And sometimes we kick God out and we take over, drive for ourselves. And when we do, we sacrifice joy and peace and patience and kindness. And what do you gain from that? What's the gain from that choice? You know, most times I choose the things I choose, and you know why. I like it. That choice I don't like. And I don't understand why I go there. But no sermon works on anybody worse than the guy that prepares it. And I've made up my mind. I choose joy. Joy is going to be my life. Because my Savior, my Lord, is God. Hey, my friends, if you're here today and your life has become joyless, today's the first day of the rest of your life. You can turn around in a moment. How? Love God and love on somebody. And when you're feeling sad and you're feeling down and the world's just whipping you around, get mad, get glad, and go love on somebody. I promise you, it'll turn around. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, as we pause in your presence today, as we come before you as a people, that you call your own. Living in a nation where we are truly blessed. I pray that joy, true joy, would become the reality of our circumstances. That each of us would experience a life more abundant and free. And that in and through us the world might see the hope we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. God, your word is true and it promises if we remain in you and you in us, we will bear much fruit. And the fruit of that spirit is love and joy and peace. If there's one here today who's lost that, may you draw them back to you. And God, this very moment, this very second, I pray, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, but they'd like to, doesn't have the joy yet, but they'd like to have it, this would be the day they'd say, yes. Yes, Lord, come into my life and bring that to me. God, help us, strengthen us, guide us in all we do. In these things we pray in Jesus' name. As we stand for our hymn of invitation, I want to invite you here. If you've lost the joy in your life, you'd like it back. This, this, this altar is open for you. Come pray. God won't turn you away. If you're here in this midst today and you don't know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, you can't tell me the day you were born again. Hey, today is that day. Don't turn away. Don't turn away from a love so great as this. Won't you come? As we sing, don't you hesitate. The people on your left and right would love to let you out. I'd love to tell you what God says you must do to be saved, to know that love and joy for yourself, to know what we're talking about. God's speaking to you while we sing, don't hesitate. Won't you come? God's calling. Won't you come? We stand and lift up for the joy of the Lord is us.
we bow down and we worship him now how great how awesome is he how great and awesome is he standing 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 on the promises of God my Savior standing standing I'm standing on the promises of God we stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is our strength we bow down and we worship him now how great how awesome is he how great and awesome is he standing I'm standing standing on the promises of God my Savior standing I'm standing yes standing on the promises of God everyone I'd love to have your attention because if you haven't heard through our children's program Kelby has come to know Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior and next week right next week we're scheduling baptism so you come and celebrate with us and make sure and come by and encourage her about her decision to follow Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior Will you do that this day? Hey, as we start to close this service today, I want to challenge you all to have a great weekend. There'll be no services here tonight so that you can spend time with your family and realize the blessing that God's given you of one another. Encourage one another and experience the joy of the fellowship of those who love the Lord. May God bless you. Thank you very much. Would you please be seated? I'm going to have uh, Patrick make his way up as uh, he's got a couple announcements to do. As you can see, we've started on our VBS set. Um, our castle will be the whole stage by next Sunday, hopefully. And um, we're getting very excited about VBS this year. Um, our theme is Standing Strong in the Battle for Truth. And what we're doing next week is inviting everybody to dress up in your medieval outfits. You can be a princess, you can be a prince. You can uh, be anything medieval that you want to be. If you don't want, want to dress up in medieval clothes, then if you have a VBS t-shirt, we invite you to wear the VBS t-shirt that you've purchased. So, and we actually do have a few more of the t-shirts um, that we ordered extra, uh, a couple more, if anybody's interested in purchasing those. 
And next Sunday is our VBS kickoff at 5.30. If you are working um, Vacation Bible School, we ask that you be here by 5 o'clock next Sunday afternoon for a short meeting in the fellowship hall before we kick off at 5.30. So we're looking forward to uh, all of the kids being here next week. Um, it is just going to be a wonderful time of fun and fellowship and learning throughout the evening next week. Um, thank you, and I'm going to turn it over to Andrew. All right, we're going to have our men make their way down to receive this morning's offering. As they make their way down, you see we have a verse to read together out loud. It's up on the screen. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. We hadn't done it in a while with you, so I want to hear you loud and proud, okay? All right, here we go. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for the joy that you have placed in our lives, the joy and hope of our salvation in Christ, and it is our constant joy, our constant hope, our constant peace is in you, God. We, we are so desperate for your grace and mercy. We're so desperate for you to use us to give us a plan and a purpose which you have put inside each Christian's life. God, thank you for the opportunity to give, a chance to be obedient to your word. Lord, your word tells us if we give generously, then we will be blessed. And so we do that with an open heart today, an obedient heart. We know that you'll take everything that's given, use it for your purpose, your plan, and that you will bless each home. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. today and see them why don't you shake their hand tell them you're proud of their service thankful for their service there are many who are still fighting uh, today for us uh, overseas in many different places Afghanistan especially so uh, please uh, congratulate and pray for our military on a regular basis we have a couple quick announcements we're going to run through for you uh, first off we have a new fundraiser we want to tell you about and this is just a general fundraiser for the youth ministry 
the Hodge family, you're familiar with the Hodges, they've been going here for quite a while, but they have generously donated a new shotgun uh, to the youth ministry. How many of you guys like guns? Can I put up both hands? All right. Uh, they've donated a shotgun that we're going to raffle off. This is going to help our kids go to summer camp and do some various things that uh, we do in the youth ministry over summer. Uh, and so if you're interested in purchasing a ticket, they're $10 a piece. And uh, that drawing will be on Father's Day. So in case uh, you win, you might be able to give dad or husband or whoever the, the, the man in your life, a father in your life, uh, a nice gift. So if you're interested in that, see one of our students. You can see them at the welcome desk as well. And they'll be glad to do that for you. All right, of course, we got Wednesday night supper this week as usual. Just another week, just as Patrick said, until VBS. So next Sunday will be a little bit more casual than, than normal, but we're excited about uh, VBS and see what God's going to do. Our students are going to take that VBS program and our adults that are going to Belize, and we're going to replicate it. What we do here, we're going to go down there and do the same thing. We're even taking a lot of the same materials that we'll have left over from VBS, and we'll be going down there and doing VBS in Belize. In this bright sunshine, it will be a lot of fun. Uh, our Belize Mission Board, again, we want to remind you, have just now two weeks. We leave two Sundays from today. The big board is across the uh, way in the top floor of the South Educational Building. And then there's a little mini board out front you may have noticed when you came in through the sanctuary lobby. If you're interested in grabbing one of those envelopes, please grab one. It has a prayer card inside. It has a missions bracelet. The purpose of the bracelet is to remind you to pray for. So if you put that around your wrist, it's much easier for you to remember, hey, let me pray for those uh, folks going to Belize. So please, please continue to pray for them as well as we get ready to go. All right, uh, again, no services here tonight. Please pray for Charles and Linda as they're away on their vacation. Uh, they'll be gone for a few weeks, so pray for them. And uh, we have a video. Okay, we're going to show you a video before you go, and then you can be dismissed, okay? weekend. Enjoy your long weekend for those of you that will be off on Monday and uh, we'll see you on Wednesday. Have a good week.